Good morning. Man, it is great to be with you. And um, we've been talking about this idea of a new normal. And the other day, somebody said to me, they said, Kevin, I, I don't like I don't like it. I don't, I don't even like you using the phrase new normal. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, I better make sure that when I say new normal, that you know what I'm talking about, that we're, you know, that we're on the same track. And so I wanted to just bring just the, 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 the sort of the, the definition that I've been, um, been working from. But interestingly enough, I probably should make sure I'm on the right sermon uh, because all of a sudden my iPad went back to a different message. And that's not going to work because I preached that last week. So as I do that, here we go. Let's see if we can. Yeah, there we are. All right. Um, and, and I want you to, I want you to, to remember, and I, I've been guilty of this, and I want you to ask, I want you to forgive me, okay? I've been guilty of giving 2020 a little too much credit sometimes. Christians do that. You, do you know that? We give the devil credit for a lot of stuff. You know, we say he made us do stuff. He didn't make you do stuff. You wanted to do it. Your own flesh did it. But sometimes we do that with 2020, and, and, and I, I, I don't want to do that. But I want to make a comparison of what, what a year has looked like, but yet compare that to what a year can look like. And so new normal, I'm, I, I found a great definition. I thought I'd read it to you. A state to which we settle following a crisis. I think the word is settle. That's the key word. We are going to settle when it differs from the situation that prevailed prior to the start of the crisis. And I want to make sure that the message is coming through loud and clear to you that we do not have to accept the, the new version of normal that anyone else is setting upon us. We can determine what that new normal ultimately is going to be. With God's help, we can define it, and, and with God's help, it will, it will come to pass. The series that we've been on, we're looking at characteristics that help get us there today. We're going to look at being all in on the idea of excellence. And I want to start back in 589 B.C., when a man named Nebuchadnezzar was probably the most powerful man in the world. He was the king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> was in the process of conquering as much of the world as he could. And eventually he got to Israel and he invaded Israel and he surrounded the city of Jerusalem and because there were walls, it took him a little time, but he built siege works around the city of Jerusalem and eventually he was able to not just break into that city but, but destroy those walls. And one of the things that he did was he ransacked, that's the only term I can, can really come up with, he ransacked the Jewish temple. Now, it's, it's really, it's, um, I've, I've noticed, and people have said this a lot lately, they've said, oh man, I, I just, I miss being in church with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm, I really, I'm missing it, I'm longing for it. Um, 
And, and, but imagine if in, in a nation, you only had one such thing as far as a physical location. Because that's, that was the case in Israel. The temple was the place where God was worshipped. And that place had been broken into, it had been ransacked, all the gold, and there was a lot of gold in that, that building. And it was not a tremendously large building. Um, all the gold had been taken, all the sacred um, um, things that were used in worship uh, the Bible says they were taken by Nebuchadnezzar and he didn't just take them, he took them and he put them in his temple. It was, it was, it was desecrating God's temple. It was desecrating Jehovah God and, and, and it was a terrible, terrible thing. And another thing that Nebuchadnezzar did was he, he, he said to those that were carrying out his plans, he said, I want you to take all of the smart, young, handsome men. And I want you to bring them into our country. And we're going to put them in places in our government. And what they were doing is they were, they were trying to raise the, the level of quality of people in their nation by taking the best who were still young and could still be influenced and, and make them part of their government. And the Bible says that one of these people that was, that was brought from Israel into Babylon in this situation was a, a young man named Daniel. And the Bible says that Daniel was, he just stood out from everyone else. And the question that I want to ask is why? Why did Daniel stand out from everybody else? Why did he, why did he seem different? Why did he look different? Why did they think that he was somehow better? Because, because we're going to see that they thought that. And so how did that really happen? And, and I want you to imagine, okay? Um, imagine uh, some, a comparison between 2020 and what Daniel had just gone through, okay? Imagine eight, uh, 589, imagine that was Daniel's 2020, okay? A foreign country had invaded his homeland, they surrounded his capital city. They, they destroyed the wall around the capital city. They undoubtedly destroyed much of the city. They invaded, they, they literally, they went into his temple. They ransacked it. They took everything that was precious to those people in their worship to God. They, they took it all. And then they took the best and brightest of the nation and they carried them off into exile in Babylon. That, my friends, was a bad year. You, you get where I'm going with this? So what Daniel experienced, a lot, we read the Bible sometimes and we say, well, how does this apply to my life? Daniel had a really bad year, okay? And, and we're gonna look at this. His whole life was turned upside down. Let's read a couple verses from Daniel 5 and Daniel 6. Chapter 5, verse 12, it says, He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind. They even changed his name. I want you to get that. 
That's how they wanted them ingrained into the culture of Babylon. Changed his name. I am my name. My first name and my last name, my middle, I am my name. You ever wonder why our kids, you look up the meaning of names, you're like, that totally makes sense. Names are important. They wanted to change them and ingrain them into the culture. It says he was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. Now, the phrase keen mind in the King James uses the phrase excellent spirit. I want you to remember that. And then we go to Daniel 6, and it says that now under the next king, because now um, Nebuchadnezzar is, is no longer the king, Darius is the king. And it says that it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. That's governors or, or things like that, some sort of an administration, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So these guys were in charge of keeping the king's investment, the king's power safe. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The phrase exceptional qualities in the King James says excellent spirit. Same phrase. Daniel just had the worst year of his life. His nation has been utterly destroyed. The best and the brightest have been taken away. His temple has been destroyed and stolen and and, and literally just desecrated. And now the, the art, the, those those things, you know, the, the you know, may, maybe it, it was um, the Ark of the Covenant. It doesn't mention it specifically, but but it, it it could have been in in the temple there in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's temple. And this has happened, and yet, and yet we find that because of an excellent spirit, Daniel went from being an exile, okay, somebody who was literally stolen from his homeland, to being the number one choice to be over the entire kingdom. How is that possible? If anyone had felt like they had a right, okay, to have a bad attitude, it would be someone like Daniel. I've been put in a, I've been put in a government to work and to try to make things good for this guy, and he did this. He took me away from my family. He took me away from my God. And, and, and I'm supposed to do a good job for this guy. And yet it says that, that Daniel, literally, they, they, he, he was just set apart from everybody else because of this, this excellent spirit that he had. Now, Daniel could not stop the invasion from happening to his home country. I want you to think about that. He had no power, okay, to control being exiled. He was forced. 
He had no influence to stop them from ransacking his temple. But yet he was able to determine his new normal. Now I'm going to say something and you're going to get mad at me. But what I'm telling you is the truth. Daniel's new normal was better than his old normal. Are you with me? I want you to think about it. None of us here, none of us would say, wow, this pandemic was a good idea. Nobody. We wouldn't say that. That doesn't make sense. But yet, and, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of help you grab onto what I'm going. I heard, I heard this week that there was a restaurant in the county that was ready to close its doors. It was done. Pre-pandemic. The pandemic hits. All of a sudden, they're doing better than they've ever done before. Saved their restaurant. Now, I don't know the other details. I don't, I don't know anything. And I'm sure that the owner of that restaurant wouldn't say, I'm really glad the pandemic happened. But yet, he's able to look and see. I might have lost my whole investment if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Daniel's new normal within that terrible time was, was higher and better and greater than what it was before it happened. And, and there's a reason why. And the reason is the idea of excellence. And today, I want us to look at how we, how we get from a year like 2020, we don't want to give it too much credit, to a new normal, and it's through excellence. And I want us to look at being all in in the area of excellence. And three aspects specifically about excellence. And the first one is this, excellence is a choice. The Hebrew word for excellence means choice. God can't make that any clearer to us that excellence is a choice. The word excellence that we use in the English means choice. We have a choice. Back in 97, which for me seems like a couple days ago, um, but regrettably, there are kids that are going to shout out and say, I wasn't even born yet. And so I feel old as a result. But back in, in 97, <clears throat> we were living out east, and we uh, had the opportunity to build a home. And so um, I, I got to general contract it. I got to do a lot of the labor. And there was a lot of construction guys in the church. And they were really gracious to me, and they helped and they, they, I mean, they came on a Saturday and they spent the day. And, and, and I can remember um, being around those guys. I learned a lot of like, like sayings that construction guys have. And I'm afraid I can't share all of those with you. But one of them that really makes me chuckle, uh, I remember we were, we were doing uh, shingles on the roof, and, and I'm, I'm warped. I am warped. I like doing shingles on a roof, okay? And, and at the end of the day, you stand back, and you look at it, and you know, you're like, man, this looks good. And one of the guys that was helping me, he stands back, and he goes, well, looks good from, hunt, from where I live. Think about that. This is, so, contractors love to say this. I have used, I have borrowed that statement so many times. Oh, it looks good where I, from where I live, 
Problem is, I'm living upstairs and I'm working downstairs. <laughs> but what does that really mean? It means, <clears throat> you know what? As long as I don't have to look at this too often, I'm okay with it. In fact, it might even mean if I was working on my house, I'd do a better job than this. It really means something. And, and I want us to understand that excellence affects every facet of our lives. And so it doesn't matter what you do. You might be a student. You might be retired. You might be a plumber. You might be a doctor or a nurse. It, it doesn't matter what you do. Excellence affects everything that we do, and you have the ability to choose to be excellent and to have an excellent spirit. <clears throat> President Jimmy Carter um, went to the Naval Academy, and after the academy, he was uh, going through an interview process, and he talks about it in his book. And the particular... Um, um, the particular admiral that was doing the interview was really known as a tough interview. <clears throat> and he, <laughs> this guy was, must have been kind of cranky. He would cut the front legs off of the chairs just a little bit so that the guys didn't feel like they were quite balanced. He wanted them to feel out of sorts. Sometimes he would arrange the furniture in the room <clears throat> so that there would be a little bit of sunlight that would hit that interviewee right in the face so that they would have to deal with that while they're thinking about their answers, okay? That's the kind of guy this was. He had a, a, a reputation for being tough in these interviews. <clears throat> and so during the interview, he asked uh, what what would be one day President Carter, he asked him about his rank at the Naval Academy. He wanted to know, when you graduated, what was your rank? <clears throat> and, and Carter uh, was, was very, he said, my chest just swelled up with a sense of you know, pride. And, and he told him that I, I graduated 59th out of 820. Now that's a pretty that's pretty good, especially for those of us that graduated in the top half of the bottom third of our graduating classes. Okay, but fifty nine out of eight hundred and twenty is pretty spectacular. And Carter said he sat back waiting for this admiral to to commend him, to compliment him, to tell him how good he had done. And instead, Carter said that the admiral said something to him that he cannot, he literally could not forget or get out of his mind the rest of his life. He asked him a question. He said, did you do your best? Immediately, Carter wanted to say yes, and then he remembered this, the guy's reputation. And he knew that if he, if he said something that was, that was less than truthful, the guy was going to get to the bottom of it. And Carter had really thought about it. And he, he finally came to the place where he said to the, to the admiral, he said, I have to admit that I, I didn't do my best. The admiral was quiet for quite a while. 
And then he looked at Carter and he said, why not? Carter said he, he, he could never forget it. He could never forget it. It just, he didn't say that it haunted him, but it was that, that thing that it just never left him. Excellence is a choice that we make every single day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, the Apostle Paul is having a, he's having a written dialogue, a, a conversation. He's heard things from the Corinthians, and he, he, he restates them for the sake of this written argument, okay? So one of the things that he heard is that people were saying, I have the right to do anything, and he quotes them, okay? He said, you say you have the right to do anything. And now Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, again, restating their position, but not everything is constructive. The point is that you and I can choose the way that we want to do things. Whether it's our homework, whether it's our job, whether it's our responsibilities with our families, but we can choose how we want to do those things. The problem is that not every choice is beneficial. Not every choice is constructive. Do you know what the greatest challenge is to excellence in your life? Good enough. We are tempted that when we get to a certain point to look at it and say, that's good enough. It's not our best, but it's good enough. Good enough will always be the biggest enemy of real excellence. Excellence is not a choice between good and bad. Excellence is a choice between good enough and the best that I can do. That's something for us to really think about. And if we're going to get to the place where God leads us and empowers us to a new normal that, that, we, that we know is God's plan for us, we need to choose excellence in everything that we do. Secondly, we got to realize that it's excellence, not perfection. Let's look at the story of Daniel again. <clears throat> His spirit of excellence was, was just it elevated him before the king. The king planned to put him over the entire kingdom. And uh, these fellow administrators were jealous, so they started looking for dirt on Daniel. And we look at chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges. Not just the 120 that he had been placed over, but the three administrators or two or whatever there was, two or three of them, if Daniel was one of them, okay? These other guys, they were so jealous. They wanted to find dirt on him in his, in his job in government affairs. But it says they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel chose to live the spirit of excellence. Now, excellence is often misinterpreted or misconstrued 
as something else. And some people mistakenly believe or are under the impression that excellence is the same as perfection. Daniel, what, the Bible doesn't say that Daniel was perfect. It says that he chose an excellent spirit. Excellence is doing your best. But perfection is the action or process of improving something until it's faultless. Excellence is what you are. What you are is your character and your integrity. But perfection is what you do, and it has to do with, with your works. It is a striving for being faultless. Edwin Bliss, who's an author on time management, he says this, the pursuit of excellence is gratifying and healthy. The pursuit of perfection is frustrating, neurotic, and a terrible waste of time. Man, that is a really good quote. Notice that in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus refers to his, his heavenly Father as being perfect. But when Isaiah the prophet talks about you and I, he says that our personal righteousness is the equivalent of filthy rags. And the, the meaning of filthy rags is, is so um, unthinkable that I don't even want to tell you what Isaiah really means by that. Okay? It, it's, it, it's, it's just not something that you could imagine being compared to. Paul says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Excellence is for God's glory. We're not perfect. We've never been perfect. We're not going to be perfect. And I, I want you to know that as I was preparing in the and in, in going over my notes this morning, I just felt the Holy Spirit really leading me to, to something that I had not originally thought to include in my message, and that is this, that some of you, whether it was childhood, something that happened as you grew up, or, or some expectation that was put upon your life, you feel like you have to be perfect. And that has been a weight on your shoulders that is so significant that you literally feel yourself physically buckle under the weight of it. And I want you to know that God wants to set you free from that burden. That's a burden that you were never designed to stand up under. You were never designed to be perfect. Faultless perfection is not for God's glory. It's for, for pride and vain glory. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud. If perfection leads us to pride and God opposes pride, you can see what that does, the conflict that that creates. In Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9, we've read this so many times, but it really bears repeating again and again and again. Paul says that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's not because we achieve perfection. He said it's the gift of God, not of works, not of a striving for faultless perfection. Salvation, forgiveness of our sins, 
comes by God's grace, not by us achieving a level of perfection. But we can pursue excellence as a way of giving glory to God. That new normal that we've talked about, it's, it's about who we are. It's not about what we've done, what we've accomplished in our lives. Number three, excellence over success. There's a difference between excellence and success that I think it's important. And I, I um, want to share something from Brian Harbour who wrote Rising Above the Crowd. He says this, success means being the best. Excellence means being your best. Success to many means being better than everyone else. Excellence means being better tomorrow than you are or were yesterday. Success means exceeding the achievements of other people. Excellence means matching your practice with your potential. The most successful person that we read about in the Bible is a man named Solomon. Now, in today's world, in 2020, one of the ways that people define their success is by their income. Fair assessment in our culture today? I don't think that's, that's too far off, okay? And the more money we make, the greater the success we feel we are. Well, to depress you about what your W-2 is gonna look like this year, Solomon's income... And in fact, this is probably doesn't even re represent um, today's gold prices, which are actually at a very high level. Correct, Mike? Okay. Um, Solomon's, he was paid in gold. And, and it would be the equivalent in today's market of somewhere in the $40 billion a year. He had a decent, he had a decent wage. You know, I'm thinking, he, I'm thinking he was doing all right. And Solomon, he, his success took him to a place where he sought out as much pleasure as he could find. He took on the biggest projects that he could. And I mean, he did some amazing architectural and, and, and even um, just functional things in the city of Jerusalem that were amazing. Okay, this guy, he, he, he amassed possessions like no one else. People literally came from around the world, other leaders, to look at what he had amassed. He had almost a thousand wives. Now, I'm so glad that I'm married. I am a, I'm a married kind of person, okay? But I got all I can handle in one. And he's got almost a thousand. I want you to think about that. He said, my heart took delight in my work. And yet we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless and a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Success on its own is meaningless. It is meaningless. Excellence, however, is doing our best. 
with the abilities that God has given us for his glory, not in comparison or in competition with anyone else. It's doing the common thing in an uncommon way. It's a lot different than success. Excellence is is doing something to the best of our ability regardless of who's watching. And, and excellence requires a sense of humility rather than the, than the superiority that comes with success. Because when people succeed too much, they get to a point where they say, I would never do that. Rather than be humble. It's not about being better than anyone else. Paul says this in Colossians Chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we really boil success down, okay, and, and succeeding is not bad, but the motivation why do I need or why do I want to succeed? If, we, if we're not careful, the, the seed of that is about self and self-advancement, okay? But excellence, excellence is about others, okay? Proverbs, I love this. Uh, Proverbs 12, 4, the first part of the verse in the English Standard Version, it says that an excellent wife is the crown of a husband. When we are excellent, it reflects on other people. You, th- you think it's about us because I'm the one that's ex- when we're excellent. If we're an excellent, okay, uh, you know, if, if we're an excellent teenager, it reflects well on our parents. You guys don't know it, but when you're not around, people come to us as your parents and they say, oh, I saw your kid. And it was, they were so wonderful, you know. And we're like, are you sure you're talking about my kid? I know my kid, and that's not what their attitude was like this morning. It reflects well on us. As a husband, when I conduct myself with excellence, it reflects well on my wife and vice versa. When we're as an employee, it reflects well on our bosses. As a boss, it reflects well on our employees. It reflects well on our company in every aspect in our lives. If we are people of a, with a spirit of excellence, it will reflect. It's about others rather than about, look at me, how I have succeeded. So this idea of a new normal It's not going to be determined by our success. It's going to be determined by our excellence. And if our new normal is determined by our success, it's going to be a a meaningless, hollow, ultimately feeling. So I want to close, and I want to encourage each and every one of you, whether it's a young person, whether you're a, a, a parent, whether you're retired, whether you're in the just the the heart of your working career, whatever it is, I want to encourage you to be excellent. Be excellent. Whatever God has called you to, be the best that you can. Be the best version of you that you can possibly be. Do not chase the dream of perfection. 
And I, I think most people don't chase the dream of perfection. They probably feel that the expectation of perfection has been put upon them and they probably without realizing have just thought, I have to do it. As parents, sometimes we can communicate things like that to our kids and then those kids become adults and those adults have children and they place that expectation on their children because it was placed upon them. Let's not fall for that. And if you somehow have, in your, in your journey of your life, if, if, if that, that expectation has been placed on you today, my prayer, and I believe God's prayer is, and his desire is that you would be freed from that expectation of perfection, that weight, and it is a weight that everything that you do has to be perfect, and if it isn't perfect, it's your fault, and that you have failed. It's very different from excellence, doing your best. You see, it's not about, or it, it, it needs to be about who we are, not about what we do. Be your best. You don't have to be the best to be your best. Do it all for the glory of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, other than Jesus, if I can emulate anyone in the New Testament, it would be the Apostle Paul. He's at the end of his ministry. He's in prison. He knows that he's going to wind up going to Rome. He knows he's going to wind up, uh, you know, giving his life. And what does he write? He said, I haven't made it yet. I haven't, I'm, I'm not perfect. I haven't, I haven't made it. I haven't got there yet, people. And, and he's acknowledging we won't, we won't get to that place of perfection until we are with Jesus and we're with God and God changes us and makes us into something new and makes us like Jesus. I want to just end reminding us of what the Admiral said to President Carter when he asked him, the question, did you do your best? And when Carter said, no, I didn't, he said, why not? That's the question for us today. Why not? Why not? What's keeping you from doing your best? What's keeping you from a spirit of excellence that will cause you to rise up and be distinguished above others? It's not a worldly definition of success. It's going to disagree with success. Why not? Are you doing what you're doing for God's glory or for your own pride and success? I believe that God wants us to do it for his glory with a spirit of excellence. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share this message. And I pray, Father, for the one that's here today that has been struggling with the expectation of perfection. I pray today that when they walk away from this room, that they will be able to lay that burden down and that you will pick that burden up. Father, I believe that your word says that you desire to exchange things with us. You have 
literally given us things in exchange and, and, and given us a better position given us things that we did not possess for, for those things that we did. That there's, the, the, the scripture talks about, you've given me the oil of gladness instead of a spirit of mourning. That exchange. And right now I believe that you want to exchange for some people the, the, uh, the expectation of perfection with a spirit of excellence. And so this morning as I, as I close, if, if that's you, I just want to pray for you. No one's looking around. It's just a moment between you and the Lord. And you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me because I have felt that weight of the expectation of perfection for whatever reason. I'm not, I don't even want to go into why that is, but, but you felt that weight. I just want to pray for you that that weight will fall from your shoulders today. If that's you, just, just slip your hand up just so that I can close in prayer. Yes. Yep, I see your hands. You can put them down. Anybody else before I close? Yes. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you do not expect me to be perfect. That none of us are perfect. You don't expect it. Because if you did, I would fail as would everyone else. But you do Give us a choice. And so today, for those that have felt that weight and they've said, yes, I, I have felt that weight of perfection, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that weight would fall from their shoulders. And that in its place would just be the joy of pursuing excellence. Father, I pray that they would feel that weight, that burden drop from their shoulders right now. And I thank you that you care about that. And I pray that we would decide, we would choose to be people with a spirit of excellence in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it has been wonderful to be with you today. Thanks for letting me share this message with you. And I pray that God uh, will use it in your life I pray God's blessing on you, and I hope you have a fantastic day. God bless you, and we will see you very soon. Amen.